Hey, we're the Burton Brothers, and you're listening to TowerPod.com. Everybody is easy. Everybody is strong. Everybody will leave me every time I go wrong. The song is a secret. The song is a lie. Don't you try to sing it long. You forget the words every time. We're stuck in the Welcome to TowerPod.com. My name is Eli, and with me today is Vaden, Taz, and Casey from the Burton Brothers. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Thanks, for, having Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, man. All right. Well, for anyone that's not too familiar with the Burton Brothers yet, they're going to be familiar with some of your, your, your previous bands. You know, I know I've seen on some of the bills of the shows you guys have been playing, you know, Vaden, you were the frontman singer for the Toadies. That's right. Right? And Taz, the drummer for Reverend Horton Heat, yes, among sir. others. Among others, right. Right. Um, so how did the Burden Brothers come about? Uh, well, um, uh, Toadies were in a waiting, in a holding pattern, waiting for the second record to come out in 2000, 2001, around in there somewhere. And uh, Taz and I just kind of got together and fiddled around in the studio in Dallas. And uh, we'd been talking to each other for quite a while, seeing each other on the road and stuff. So we just got together and kind of fiddled around. Uh, then eventually Toadies blew up, uh, in, not in the good sense, and broke up. And um, so we just kind of kept screwing around as a pastime, and eventually it became something we wanted to pursue. So we put a band together and started putting out records. Cool, cool. Well, your first really your first CD came out in two thousand three. Is that right? I believe that's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's still safe to say you're you're a relatively new band. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, so. I think to date you've already toured with like Velvet Revolver and done some shows with Papa Roach. How's the reaction been from former fans? Do you see many of them coming to the shows, being like, "Oh, fans of the Toadies of the of the Toadies, or Reverend Horton Heat, or your your, your your previous bands? Are they coming to the shows like uh, well, digging it?" For the most part, uh, Toadies fans have been pretty open to uh, Burden Brothers. So there's a few hardcores that are just very very unhappy all the time. So I can't do anything about that. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, it's been very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Same here. I, we, I don't. I don't. We don't attract a lot of Horton Heat fans because the style of music is so different. But the ones that do come are, are uh, totally into it. It's always a good thing. Right on. Do you guys try and get away from the the Toadies and Horton Heat references? Uh, you know, initially I I, I kind of wanted to shy away from it just because I was so freaking angry. But, uh, um, you know, after a while of looking back on it, I put a lot of time in to make that band what it was, and, and I got a lot of positive things out of it. So, so yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. Cool. Um, where's the name come from, Burden Brothers? Um, we had a, our first gig was at South by Southwest, and so we decided that we should have a name for our band, basically. And uh, we there's, there's a building... There was a building in Dallas called Burden Brothers General Contracting. And it just seemed to work. Burden Brothers just seemed to work with all of the history that everybody in the band has and and uh just kind of stuck. The bag yeah, the the excess luggage that came with the luggage, baggage that came with the 
the forming of the band and kind of you know even where we are now it's uh we're still doing our best to stay away from from what ruined our ruined us in music in the first place so just the burden brothers kind of worked <laughs> i guess there you go how'd you uh hook up with these guys casey uh, i was in a band called uh Dusu in dallas and uh we got on, on a couple of toady shows and i think we played some festivals with uh the reverend here and there in texas and um in 03 i think around october uh you know the band was kind of going downhill and and uh, uh i met rizzo uh, who's a friend um on the street and uh he was in a band called clumsy before he joined the burden brothers and uh asked if i wanted to be a part of a west coast tour and uh, so i said why not and so went to their space and opened a beer and by the end of it, I was in the band for the most part. So. And you finished the beer. <laughs> a plethora of them. <laughs> right on, man. Right still on. nursing it. Uh, uh, <laughs> are you guys Are you guys still based in Dallas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we yeah. are. Right on. Do you think that has anything to do with the, the with your music, like the 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 city? Is it any kind of influence? Because I know. I mean, usually when people th- people think of music in Texas, you know. Austin right. always comes to mind. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. And a lot great. of people, you know, uh, you know, Seattle's got its own little scene. You know, mm-hmm. I think San Francisco scene is really kind of made up. It's the inner scene in San Francisco is kind of imported. You know, a lot of bands that say they're from San Francisco aren't actually from San Francisco. Right, right, you know, right. they're from the the suburbs or you know the East Bay or the North mm-hmm. Bay or wherever. You know, do you think? Uh, but a lot of people do think. You know that there's a scene in their in their towns. You think. Any influence from Dallas? Well, that's uh, the 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 scene that was that is or was there is um, very diverse, and there was actually a, a small town north of Dallas where a lot of the um, more not even avant-garde, but just just bands that that pushed the envelope a little more. Uh, a town called Denton. There's a, a college up there, and the Toadies, and uh, I mean the red. All of us, we all kind of made our place in Denton and you know because Dallas at the time I think when we were coming up in particular was just uh it was just uh it's kind of kind of snooty and it kind of fell into being a brotherhood eventually but I think it all started in Denton but I think as far as our band goes we're all musically influenced and I think I think what what we what comes out of us is just is are, are the uh, bands that we we grew up listening to as opposed to there's no distinct Dallas sound mm-hmm. like there's a you know a grungy Seattle sound there's a, a dirty swamp rock LA sound there's a mm-hmm. you know you know what I mean yeah but yeah Dallas I, is pretty diverse I think where that goes with exception of Denton where there's a lot of uh, certainly not experimental but just just bands that are that are just eager to push the envelope a little more so yeah I, I think Dallas uh, attitude wise kind of forces you to to grow a tougher skin and and uh you know a couple years of you know playing down there you you get to you know form relationships and you know it, it's not uncommon for about 20 you know different bands and you know bartenders and uh club owners to be hanging out on a monday night you know just shooting the shit because you that's all you really had and monday was usually your only day off so I don't know. So I, th- I think the attitude kind of made a, made everyone a little tougher, you know, and a little wearier, you know, in a good way. Mm-hmm. 
my Dallas two cents. <laughs> cool. Well, you guys have all been in a number of bands before, you know, startup, you've been established and everything. Do you think, you know, coming from the history that you've got, you know, as established artists, has this time around with the Burden Brothers, you know, getting it off the ground, is it, you know, getting on tour, getting a record label, has it been any easier? Well, we're, uh, I wouldn't say easier. I mean, it, it does definitely open some doors, um, you know, just the, just the names, and uh, that helps a lot. Uh, but as far as the band, I mean, we, we're building this thing from the ground up, so it's, uh, it's you know, it's a lot of work, but, uh, it's, you know, it's just, what, uh, it, it's just what we know how to do, tour and promote a band. And, uh, you know, basically we're trying to bring everything we've learned from our, like Taz was saying, from our prior mistakes and, uh, you know, the learning curve, you know, with the, with the business end of it. And uh, I think that we're, uh, I think, I feel like we're doing pretty good, so we'll see. Cool. Well, when you're writing songs, what comes first, usually the lyrics or the music? Usually the music. Um, and this record was... The, the first record was uh, Taz and I wrote the whole thing because we didn't have a band. Uh, and the band's been together for several years, so everybody contributed to this one, and it's I'm really proud of the new one. But generally, um, as a rule for me, the lyrics are come last, kind of to wrap around the, the music. Cool. Well, tell me about the new album, Mercy, uh, out on Kirtland Records. What, uh, you know, how, how long did it, did it take? What did you guys record it and... Producers and man, like we recorded that. it all over. Uh, we used uh, a couple of producers, Joe Ciccarelli, who uh, has got a Grammy or two under his belt, mm -hmm. and um, also uh, Dave Castell, David Castell out of Dallas, who will have a Grammy or two under his belt. And um, they, you know, it just it's it, it took a long time, but uh, basically we let the the record uh, just develop, and we had 15 songs or so that we tracked got done with them and two or three just didn't seem like they worked with the rest of them after the end of the production and everything so we just shit canned them and uh went back to the drawing board and went in the studio to with two more ideas and came out with three songs and retracked a couple of parts on some other stuff and it's just it just gave it that fine tuning to make it really work so i'm really i'm pleased that our label was behind us you know i brought that up that i that we were kind of wanting to do some more songs they didn't bat an eye they just totally were cool with it so uh so it took about 14 months between pre-production and uh the release which cool. is the longest i've ever spent on a yeah. project yeah. i mean i've waited i've waited 14 months between finishing a record and it coming out mm -hmm. but uh i mean i'm used to going in and tracking for maybe two weeks you know and uh so it was it was just it was a really good experience yeah we got halfway through the album and and uh, even all the recording was done halfway through the through the uh, mixing process, and realized that there was just things weren't weren't where we thought they where we would like for them to have been. And um, uh, same thing without blowing smoke up anybody's ass. The the label was was there saying, "Well, do get what you want. Make sure you get what you guys want." And they never they never they encouraged us to keep going. So we. Um, we really they gave us an answer we did take a mile i mean we 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 everybody jumped in and just did something much more magical than we had we had started out with so um and and we ended up remi remixing the entire record we thought we were going to keep a lot of the original mixes but ended up just doing everything to keep it a little more copacetic once we had added three new songs 
So I'm just expanding on what was already said. Right on. Is there like a general theme or kind of undertone to the record, something you were trying to get across in in what you're doing with it? Well, um, it didn't really start off that way, but after putting it together and as as I was writing the lyrics and and as we were sequencing it and working on the artwork and everything, uh, yeah, definitely. It's not a concept album by any means, but it's the closest I've ever gotten to one. But uh, it's... uh, there's a lot of stories that were told me by somebody really close to me about uh, going through a lot of trauma in their early 20s and having a friend die of a heroin overdose and just basically picking up a suitcase and getting on a bus and going to New Orleans and living on the streets for for several months and uh, just you know living literally on the streets and uh, and now she's turned her life around to being just a killer kick-ass person and and it's the most ground, the most grounded person I've ever met, and uh, so a lot of that, a lot of those are songs are actually from bits of that story that she told me, and so it really means a lot to me. It's very, very personal, and, uh, and the whole title "Mercy" kind of is all about. For me, it's just finding that in yourself to let all that crap go. You learn from it, and that's, uh, and it made you who you are, rather than being your, your. Thing you carry around with you bothering you all the time what's kind of interesting and i think that um initially when we're writing you know when you write a song you just that's its own entity and you never think or we certainly didn't have any any desires or, or foresight to go what if we made every song just one big story kind of a deal and so what's what's great i think about the record is every song is is different every song is its own musically and then and then it, but it all sits under this umbrella of of one story, and it didn't start that way, but it kind of ha- it just kind of started falling into. Wait a minute, this is this is headed like this now. So it was really really cool piecing it, uh, watching it come together towards the very end there, because it certainly didn't start that way. We had yeah. we just had songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think in in so many ways, uh, everyone in the band was was dismantled and and reconstructed by you know by themselves by other people by things that were happening and uh n- you know that for a while there you you know no one knew how the album would turn out and the songs were kind of schizophrenic uh by the new year we got a our bassist zach busby on board and uh it just yeah like they're saying just kind of turned into this thing that no one saw it coming so uh we kind of let it let it do its thing that's how we got the album it's really i mean it's 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 absolute freedom and i think we positioned ourselves you know going back to the business learning from your mistakes and i mean we positioned ourselves to have freedom and the great thing about it was we didn't realize how much the label was going to actually give us and they they really let us just do what we wanted and when we were unhappy they were the ones going, well, let's fix it, you know, as opposed to, well, guys were running, you know what I mean? It just, mm-hmm. They were right there. And once we saw that there was not going to be a roadblock or a hurdle, or once we really understood that we really do have this freedom, then then absolutely everything without without any barriers just started coming out. And and every idea we had, we, we pushed it as far as it could go. I mean, there's we didn't hold anything back, which is just, I have never done a record where there wasn't, Ooh, that's well. Let's don't do that, you know, or let's don't even try it because that's just stupid. And then, but we tried everything, and 
almost 98% of it stuck. So it's just, it's a very cathartic record for each of us as, in, as musicians, I think. Cool. Kind of sidestepping, do you think these advances in technology, uh, you know, things like the internet and MySpace and blogs and, you know, just digital music and downloads, peer-to-peer file sharing, everything, um, do you think they've affected your band or the music or... Uh, I think it's affected everything, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a crazy time right now, and it's really killer. Um, so would you say it's like po- it's affecting like positive or like negative? Yeah, I, totally positive. I believe, um, and I, I think that the the majors just just drop the ball, and and the, so it's a very negative thing. I mean, a lot of people are really scared of it because you know we got to figure out you got well go figure out how to make money on it. You know, it's like. But everybody just kept thinking, you know, put it under the rug and sue people, and it'll go away. But, but uh, yeah, we've really, uh, you know, it's it's really kept us in touch with fans all over, all over the world, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming in general that you know the labels didn't have to adapt. The 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 majors owned everybody, and they they directed, they told everybody how it was going to be, and then when the shit hit the fan, they didn't know how to adapt, and so they they just started losing ground without. You know, they've just been playing catch-up, just like you're saying. And other people, you know, all the indies that, that figured out how to use the Internet as a tool, as a, as another way, as another uh, ve- uh, avenue, you know, they had the jump. They just had the jump. And the labels, I don't think they – I just think they're arrogant enough to think that, well, pfft, nobody can touch us. And wrong, and, you know. And, you know, from a – from a musician's perspective, I think it kind of gave every person in the band what they wanted. So there's, they kind of got to look in the mirror and ask themselves if they're really as serious as they tell their buddies at the bar, you know. Because, uh, you know, when we were starting out, we were putting up flyers and and playing anywhere, you know, garages, parking lots, and going, man, if there was only a way that we could get in touch with. But, you know, bands are booking tours through MySpace now and you know, international tours. And I, I think it's incredible that now the opportunity is completely up to the band and how serious they they want to be. So I think it's freaking liberating. I agree. <laughs> All of it. Um, so what should your fans expect to see from the Burden Brothers in the future? Well, uh, we're on our way to L.A. to shoot a video for Shine. And uh, that's going to happen next early next week. And then... Just touring like freaking idiots, basically. Yeah, we have a week off uh, in March, and then back out again. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty intense touring schedule. Yeah, I just hopefully that hopefully they can look forward to seeing us. You know, hopefully we we will be in your town to make the rock, right and on. you can expect to be rocked. That's for damn sure. <laughs> nice explosion. Thanks. It would sound kind of like that but loud right on. it'll be louder yeah much much stereo louder. loud <clears throat> that explosion that will be not so loud not not so loud no it didn't work at all i get it borat <laughs> thank you i've seen the movie this explosion <laughs> is not so loud <clears throat> <laughs> well you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap things up um Let's see. Of all the things that, uh, that I think we've learned doing this so long is uh, not to pander too much here, but uh, rock people that pay money to go see a live show are 
the most kick-ass people. I mean, it's it's just great. And the day, you know, when you can sit at home and watch whatever, and uh, it's just killer. And I'm constantly amazed that people that love to do it, and it's just great. Uh, so we we try to uh, we don't try to we do every show. We uh, we're we're there the whole time, and we we get done with the show. We get done with the show, and we go catch our breath, and then go just say hi to people. And it's just it's just great because um, so many bands are just hands off, and you know. And some and even on that tip, I mean, I've been in a situation before where I was directed not to do that. Like we've we we were told there would be like security problems and blibberty blam, and so we were actually told by our management don't go cavort with your fans. You know, after a show, don't go out there. It's just going to be too, you know, just stupid, stupid things that made no sense at all, but you just you just get caught up with the label and management. You go, okay. So for all those years that, for me personally, was playing in bands all over the world and only getting to meet a quarter of them because I just said, well, I'm going to, I got to go, I want to go say hi to these people. So um, this is, this is, um, Certainly isn't some form of vindication by just literally being being there, but I just we never got to say thanks. I never got to go, man. Thank you guys for buying tickets and coming out to see a show. Thank you because that's that's our livelihood. That's what we do. That's why we do it. Why would anybody ever be? We're bigger than we're better than y'all. We don't need you. It's like wrong. That's exactly who we need. We need people to connect with our music. And to come out and let us play for them, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. that's important to us, and so we dig, we dig hanging out with everybody, and uh-huh. it's really important to us to do that. You like your jobs? Love them. Yeah, totally. Man, fucking I mean, love it. Fourteen hours, ten hours, two hours in a van. You know, um, I think we were we were stuck in mountains in the morning for about two and a half hours and went forty miles, and uh, that evening we got to Johnson City and hit the stage, we had no sound check, nothing, you know, uh, and this may sound uh, uh, a little weird, but we didn't have much beer either. (laughs) And we just played our asses off. It was truly a a pleasure to to feel that and to, it's to connect with the audience. What a freaking opportunity, man. I mean, they'd never, they didn't know who we were, you know, and we just, there they were, they were like, you know, Dan, they were just there. They were they were yelling. They were screaming. They're totally with us. Right on. It brings it all home. It takes it takes years of why am I doing this? It, it just erases it in one mm-hmm. hour and a half set. Yeah, just everything pff, makes done. sense. I'm good now. Thanks. And also on a closing note, end world hunger. Let's have world peace and never ever ever trust Whitey. <laughs> That's it. Listen up, lover, cause this is your soul. So pound those pretty lips and sing it loud. I did your dirty work and I'm still alive. And I did it all just to watch you. Yeah, watch you shine now. Yeah, watch you shine. Is how the story goes You reel me in You let me go And once upon a time I said I won't be fooled again And then the cats have